today is the first day of our retreat together, whether here at Wat Mapchan or online. We gather together like this for the anniversary, the yearly gathering for my birthday on the 31st of March this year, Buddhist year 2566 or 2023. And last year, if I remember correctly, we did a retreat like this as well around my birthday because the Sangha come from many different places, like from Wat Nongpapong, various branches of Wat Nongpapong, and come to study at Wat Mapchan here. And many of the monks who started out at Wat Nongpapong or started out here have now grown up to become leaders of the Sangha, to become abbots of various monasteries, in Thailand and in other countries as well. And they travel here to express mudita, appreciative joy. This quality of mudita, that's the quality of appreciation, of rejoicing. And it's also paying respect and homage to the Kubajan, the meditation master, a great teacher. So in the time of when I was at Wat Nongpapong, when Venerable Ajahn Chah was still alive, all the different disciples would gather at Wat Nong Papong. At that time, about 19 branch monasteries, they'd gather for Venerable Ajahn Chah's birthday around the 15th or 16th of June, that two-day period. Every year, people would come together while Lung Pu Chah was still alive. Nowadays, the monastics and lady gather at Wat Nong Papong from roughly the 13th to the 17th of January every year, which is the anniversary of the passing away of Venerable Ajahn Chah. The day of the 16th is the Memorial Day every year. And so we practice expressing appreciative joy, this mudita. This is something that's very good. It's the, it's the best. And it's something that's part of the practice of recollecting the qualities of the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. We think of the mother, father, meditation master. We go to visit them and we study the monastic rules and regulations. We study the Dhamma further. We gather and listen to the Dhamma together, which is very important to do. So when monks would gather for Lumpu Cha's birthday, Lumpu Cha would give a Dhamma talk to the monastics, to the monks and novices, to the laity, and they'd receive that Dhamma because people would come with respect for Ajahn Cha, come to express their respects, and Lung Pucha gave his best to them, gave the best thing he had. And the best thing he had was the Dhamma. And all the, the disciples would listen to this Dhamma and feel happy and joyful. So when the Sangha gathers together like this, we make that gathering something useful and beneficial, which is to have the Sangha teach the Dhamma. It's something that has value, whether people are close by or far away, 
we can all study the Dhamma together like this. Because we see that having been born, we have these bodies, and we see that we eat food every day, perhaps many times a day, or here eating just once a day is enough. And we drink water, maybe 10 glasses a day, maybe eight ounces per glass, roughly 10 glasses per day. And we breathe all the time. We're always breathing in and out. So this is nourishment for the body. And another important principle is to exercise. So we take in food, we take in water, we get enough rest. But if we don't exercise, then the body won't be strong. The body needs to move, like walking or running, doing different sports, according to what's appropriate for one's body and one's age. And to exercise the mind, we use our meditation object. We train our mind in the practice of mental cultivation because we see that the mind's been thinking and proliferating for a long time already. So we come to train the mind. And we can ask ourselves, why are we thinking like this? Why do we need to proliferate and think about everything? We see that the place of proliferation is greed, aversion, and delusion. That's what leads to proliferation. It can lead to thoughts of ill will for oneself and others. And so we practice not to believe these thoughts, not to believe the thoughts that arise from ignorance. Because we see if the mind has weak mindfulness, then samadhi, this quality of peace and collectedness, won't be stable and wisdom won't arise then whatever sense impressions come into the mind, then the mind clings to all of them. This is something the mind's been doing for a long time already. It's something that the mind's been being born into for a long time already. And our previous lifetimes were like this as well. We can think, for example, 10 years ago, the mind was clinging like this we can call 10 years ago our last lifetime. We can think every 10 years is another lifetime. And in the future, it'll be like this as well. If we don't train, we'll have clinging and attachment in the future as well. So we can see in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, the mind behaves in this way. And tomorrow will be like that as well, when the mind receives sense impressions like this. We see that that which we don't want, that which we don't like, is this quality of dukkha, suffering and stress. And we see that craving, ignorance and attachment are the cause of this suffering. We suffer because we cling. So we know this already. And we may ask, well, is it possible to abandon ignorance all in one fell swoop, all in one go? Is that possible? It is possible, but we do it gradually, bit by bit, at first. Because we see that ignorance is the world champion already. It's covered over the mind for a very long time now. So we think that this body is self, we take it to be self. And this self 
This is ignorance teaching the mind that the body is self and the mind gets lost in it. So we sit, meditation, we practice. And we are able to achieve complete victory over ignorance if we have mindfulness, collectedness, and wisdom complete, if we have them fully. It is something that we can do. As we see some individuals, they listen to the Dhamma for the first time, and they realize stream entry. They listen to the Dhamma a second time, they realize one's returnship. On the third time, they realize non-returner. On the fourth time, they realize full awakening. This is the mind that's pure and radiant, that doesn't circle around in birth and death any longer. Because it's this energy of ignorance that has taken the mind to be born and dying, born and dying, over and over. If we have goodness and merit, then we're born in a good place where we have pleasure and happiness, like the heavenly worlds or the Brahma worlds. And when that, but that energy of merit or that strength of merit declines and degrades, then we're born into a human state or lower than that. This is something very scary in the samsara, the cycle of birth and death. We've been born and dying for a long time now, but we don't remember it. And every single birth is accompanied by suffering. Every lifetime has suffering. And humans have a mixture of pleasure and pain, happiness and suffering. If we have a state where we don't suffer, then that's not the human realm any longer. That's the deva state, the heavenly state, where they just have pleasure, no illness, no pain, no soreness, no tiredness, no hunger, no need to rest or exercise. The heavenly beings just have pleasure and happiness. But the problem is that they get lost in it. It's just like for ourselves, if our body is healthy and strong, feeling good and relaxed, and we get lost in the pleasure of that. But then when sickness arises in the body, then that's when we see that it's a pile of suffering, a heap of suffering. We see that clearly. And so this wisdom arises, we see degradation, disintegration, we see separation. It's just like the eyes, when the eyes age, vision degrades, all the various organs, big and small, degrade. The ear degrades and sounds become less clear. Taste degrades and the cells of the body degrade, which can lead to very severe illness, uh, suffering, uh, torture. It's like a house, like a house that we live in. That house degrades and the owner of that house suffers along with it. The body is just like that because the mind takes up res residence in the body and then so the mind becomes aware and feels these feelings, uh, these painful feelings, thereby seeing suffering. And if the people in the world were able to see this clearly, then one would see the Dhamma. Because one who see, but one who is able to see this and see the Dhamma is one who's been training for a long time already. 
If one hasn't trained before, then one starts today to cultivate merit and goodness, to practice the five precepts, the eight precepts. And we see that this quality of virtue is important. It's our foundation. We have the quality of collectedness and peace leading to wisdom. But in order to have samadhi and wisdom, we need to have virtue. So all of you have virtue already on this retreat. You're already speaking little because you're at your home where you probably don't speak too much. You don't speak badly. You don't speak harshly or divisively or falsely. And you pay homage to the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha with your practice. And you do this firstly by establishing mindfulness firmly. Mindfulness with the postures of sitting, standing, walking and lying down. And you practice to know and feel, to know what you're doing in the present moment. To have mindfulness, the quality of recollection. To have sampajanya, clear knowing, clear comprehension. So you know what you're doing. You're clearly aware while you're eating, drinking, using the bathroom, sweeping, mopping, cleaning dishes, cooking, and so on. You have mindfulness with all these activities, not letting the mind proliferate anywhere else. Because without training, the mind's tendency will be to proliferate about the past in terms of self, in terms of memory, proliferate about the future. So when proliferation arises, then know it as it arises and see that it's not self. There's no self there to be found. Because without knowing, then the mind is lost in proliferation, taking everything to be a self, to be me or mine, you or yours. So this proliferation practice to know it as it arises. Like if we have uh, worry or concern or fear or hatred, then this is the mind that's not peaceful. So know it with mindfulness, know it as it arises. Know the body as it's moving, have clear awareness as it moves. Know the mind as it proliferates and know what it's doing. In this way, you can bring the mind to stillness and collectedness, to know the body as it moves to and fro, as it changes between the different postures to so have mindfulness with this. We see that the mind sends orders to the brain and the brain orders the body. And if we don't have mindfulness with the bodily movements, then we'll take it as a self that I am the one moving, I am the one sitting still. So the Buddha taught to have mindfulness, to have clear awareness. This helps the mind not to proliferate about various things, but the mind can gather in samadhi and collectedness. So the mind that's in samadhi, that's still, can see this movement clearly, can see the bodily movements with clear awareness, the changes of postures. In this way, one can see that the body is just a body, there's not a self there, it's not me or mine. This knowledge arises when the mind is still, 
one sees the body moving, sees that there's, it's not a person, it's not a self there. This comes from the contemplation of the four foundations of mindfulness. The first foundation being mindfulness of the body. One sees that the body is just a body. This is something we've heard before. The body is just a body. It's not a self, a me, mine, you or yours. The body is just a body, it's just a name. In truth, it's not even, it's not a body. We call it body in English or langai in Thai. In Chinese, it's another word. So this is all just convention, convention of language. But in truth, there's no male, there's no female. There's no chicken or duck or sheep or goat. In truth, these are just names. So when this true wisdom arises, we see the body is just the body. This is seeing the Dhamma. So this is what arises when we train in our meditation object. We train in mental cultivation. So this morning we're opening the meditation course, the retreat. So may you cultivate mindfulness to give rise to samadhi, collectedness, to give rise to wisdom. May you speak little, rest sufficiently. Six hours should be enough. Or if you have a lot of duties, it could be seven hours. Because you see, if you rest too little, then the mind is distracted and agitated. And if you rest too much, then the mind is sleepy and dull. So make it just right. Rest enough, eat enough, make it just right. Cultivate mindfulness and practice a lot. Make the mindfulness firmly established to give rise to firm samadhi, collectedness. And so we'll continue to lead the practice sessions from Wamapchan uh, starting now for the rest of the day. <laughs>